1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I
0: agree. It is. So we're actually, because we have to do this, recording this minutes before it actually would be live. So you're not, we're not, we're not way back in time. This isn't last night. It's, it's pretty much right now. And we can respond to the draft and talk about what was and, Actually, there's a lot going on, so we'll get to it and have some fun with it. Good to see you, good sir. Today, should, today will be better for uh, for Bucks fans as we actually make picks. And yeah. there's some great names on the board.
1: There are, and uh, maybe some names that another team is more interested in than the Bucks, and you trade back and you acquire more assets. I, I'm okay with whatever. I'm in a weird position. Usually, in the draft, we've each got two or three dudes. Maybe we align on one or two of them, but we yeah. each have people that we really, really like. This year, I don't really care. The closer to the football, the draft pick, the more I'm going to like it by default because we need defensive tackles. The Bucks need guards. Uh, the linebacker, N'Kobe Dean out of Georgia, I know he doesn't run a really fast 40, but he's a he's an instinctive player. He understands, and, and uh, by all accounts, the Georgia defense is really complex, and he understood it inside and out. So if that's the pick, that's good. You can't displease me today in, in the draft. It's such a weird thing because the draft is a bunch of different things at once. It's all about hope. Everybody can feel hope, and they're right to on draft day. There is no bad take on draft day because you don't know. You're not going to know if you're right or wrong two or three years after it's over. But for your own team, sometimes you have a list of things that you want to see achieve, so you could be mad at your own team. And most years, you are if you don't make the pick that you want to see happen. This year as a Buck fan, there are so many things that this organization is going to need over the next five years when Brady's era is done and they're cap-strapped. So whatever. Best player available. I don't care.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you there. I, I do have some wants and some kids that I really like. Uh, I, and you mentioned number one on my list is N'Kobe Dean. I loved him as a player at Georgia, and we all saw a lot of him. And we're a little long in the tooth. You got to replace Levante David, and you got a guy that I think can do that. And he reminds me a little bit of Levante David because they talk about him being a little bit undersized, like Levante David was coming out. But but plays football fast, right? Football fast in pads reads, plays, diagnoses extremely well, is very physical despite being undersized. You know, he's 229 pounds, so he's not that undersized. But he is 5'11", and that's why they bring it up. But he is football fast, he is instinctual, and he is physical for that height. So I like him a lot. And if they take him with this pick early in, in, in the second round, I'll be very excited. But, you know, they also like that Logan Hall kid, defensive tackle from Houston. I haven't seen much of him, but it's a defensive tackle like you said. It's a, it's a position of need. Colorado State's tight end, Trey McBride, who was the uh, Mackey Award winner and is a, a freak of nature, had over 1,000 yards receiving last year at Colorado State. Um, we, need to, we need tied in. Gronk is not back. He has not said he's coming back for sure, so we don't even know if he's going to play. Uh, the Bucks only have two tight ends on their roster. So, yeah, man, I mean, they need a tight end. So if they take one here, I would be okay with that too. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, again, even if you take one and Gronk comes back, a lot of these dudes that are on the Bucks roster are old. So whatever position it is, even if you've got somebody there, or defensive tackle, I mean, and Dominican sue Sue might come back, he's old. But even Vita, I don't know how many years you have left in that body. He was already yeah. injury prone in the Super Bowl run, so who knows? Any position is okay, but I suspect with Gronk, he just doesn't want to do OTAs and, and camp. So he's going to come back at the last possible minute, because what does he care? And, he, and he's proven that. He did it a couple years ago. He looked like he was too old to play in the NFL by week five. He was fine. So I, I that's what I suspect is he's like, I'm not doing all that BS. I'm going to show up and play football one more time. And then
0: that's it. Well, and the bucks, I would think though, Tom, and I, I agree with you, but the bucks would be more than happy to say, fine, don't come to camp. I mean, we understand, you know how to play football. You understand the offense. You're, you're Tom's right hand, man, but I'd like to get a yes from him. You know, I'd like to hear that, okay, I'm not showing up to any of this nonsense, but just for purposes of the draft, you need to know whether or not I'm playing. Yeah, I'm playing. I I would like that, and we haven't heard that. So it is interesting. I do wonder. I mean, obviously, he's taken a beating in his career. It was really kind of a minor miracle he came back and was as productive as he has been. Real quick, just to recap for those who didn't go to Bumpus last night and watch the draft with us, I want to thank Bumpus Local 349, as always. Great time, great food, great people. Uh, and thanks to everybody who did come out, we had a blast. It was good to see everybody and uh, and to watch the draft. Draft is always fun, never disappoints. And we got a lot of action. Uh, first of all, the trades came uh, after those top five picks got in, uh, which were pretty much what we thought. A little shake up here and there. Uh, Jags take Travon Walker, which we thought would happen. Lions take Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Makes sense. Good pick for them. The Texans took Stingley, uh, Derek Stingley Jr., tell how old I am I remember his dad Uh, the Jets take Sauce Gardner and uh, and the Giants take uh Kayvon Thibodeau Uh, so that that's you know then all of a sudden you get these trades which right off the bat when the Ravens sent uh Hollywood Brown uh to the Cardinals for the 23rd pick uh everybody kind of opened their eyes and okay what's going on here I mean he's an an established really good player here's what I think is funny in the aftermath Tom Uh, you know everybody's Twitter presence, social media presence, whatever it might be in the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, whatever, these guys all feel the need to have a response to things. And I just wish guys wouldn't, especially when we find out that it's incredibly disingenuous because Lamar Jackson went to Twitter last night and and ranted about this. And his final tweet was WTF. He was furious. Yeah. And then you read the story today and you find out that Marquise Brown's the one who asked to, to leave. He wanted out, first of all, um, pretty much demanded that he be traded. Secondly, so they, so the guard, I mean, so Baltimore said, oh, okay, if you're unhappy. Now, Lamar and he are supposed to be boys. So then you find out later on that Lamar knew that the trade was coming because they told him it was going to happen. So all of that ranting was for what? Come look at me again? Get it together, Lamar Jackson. He wanted out. He's your boy. He told you he was leaving. The franchise told you he was leaving. The impending deal had already been laid out before you, before the draft. Get the hell out of here with that nonsense. One more reason to dislike that guy. That's just nonsense. That's a side rant on my part. It just pisses me off because it's silly. But it was a major trade. And then from there, the Eagles pull off the trade, which grab A.J. Brown from the Titans, and then the Titans basically take – A.J. Brown's clone in, yeah. uh, in Traylon Burks, so it's like, all right, well, we'll just get a younger version of you. Um, fascinating first round.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, that was one of my favorite parts is on the NFL Network broadcast, they had a player comp at the bottom of the three bullet points, <laughs> yeah. and it says A.J. Brown. I was like, oh, yeah. man, that's just, that's too perfect. Yeah, if you uh, are a wide receiver and your name is Brown, you were traded last night. I, I think if you're just judging those two trades for the the players, and and Schefter and Rappaport had said before the draft had come up that this might be a draft that includes player trades, not picks for picks. Like there might be players that go yeah, legit from
0: players, place
1: yeah, place to place. The AJ Brown Devonta Smith pairing in Philadelphia—that's a really nice complimentary piece for uh, for Devonta, yeah, it hurts. different yeah. players. The Hollywood Brown thing—I don't know. I, I I still it's amazing where. What is it? Year four now we're going into with Kingsbury. I still don't know what they are like. new Hopkins is really good. Hollywood Brown still is more of a, a burner. That's a he's a gadget player. He's not a down for down you know winner. He you know if it's third and ten, I'm not looking for Hollywood Brown and I gotta have it. AJ Brown I would look for because he's big and strong and can fight and generate that separation and make a catch in a contested area. Philadelphia is building some nice pieces for Dude. a quarterback who is not currently on their roster. Whoever that's going to be.
0: Okay, so good point. Philadelphia had a great draft last night, first round. Uh, good good movement. Everything they did, I like. The Jets, bravo to the New York football Jets. How about that? I mean, they were the overwhelming winners last night. They went three for three with their selections, and that includes our own Jermaine Johnson, which is what we got to get to here in the opener, which is congratulations to Jermaine Johnson. Uh, love that guy uh, uh love what he did for us, obviously. And he's still doing for us because he repped last night and he talked about Florida state and, you know, he's excited and he gets to go to New York city. And I would have, if you told me before the draft, Hey, Jermaine, you're going to end up in, in New York, but it's going to be with the jets. I'd have been like, Oh, that's a toughie buddy. I'm so sorry for you. That's where careers go to die. And, you know, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for anybody that gets stuck there because Marvin Jones got stuck there and, you know, he got hurt and, you know, all that stuff. And I just, I've never, it's not the Jets' fault, but I've never forgiven it because Marvin should have should be in the Hall of Fame. And um, anyhow, on the heels of last night, and I like their coach, who's defensive-minded, I, yeah, man, Jermaine, you might be on to something big here. If If the quarterback develops, if Wilson develops, they may have something going on in New York.
1: Yeah, I would have been a Jet fan if uh, we never moved from Brooklyn. So they've always had a soft spot in my heart as like Team B. I don't say that too often because there's no reason to, <laughs> yeah. but there might be reason to now. Just to you know, because when the Bucks played them that day uh, late in the season last year, I know that was the Antonio Brown theatrics with the shirtless, you know, goodbye. But I was so impressed because we pulled back. That, that game was a steal. We weren't supposed to win that game. I By was the just
0: one of one of the underrated. Tom Brady drives in his history. Oh. It's an absurd drive. It
1: is. And that it makes last zero throw.
0: sense. It, that throw is insane. That was um
1: the most schoolboyish I've ever been as a Brady buccaneer in that in that short period of time. Like even the Super Bowl, even the yeah. throw to Scottie Miller with Green Bay. I mean, that's a huge play, but that's like you're you're just like, damn right, get him. That was like I was giggling him. <laughs> this is crazy. Look at this guy go. Yeah. But um, I was just so impressed by how tough that team was, the Jets, because they weren't good, but no. they, they were better than the sum of their parts. And and Jermaine fits it, and, and they're right. Salah said this in his press conference, that this is the most game-ready pass rusher in the draft right now, but he also fits what we're about. And Jermaine said the same thing. Their identity is my identity. Everybody on that team, culture-wise, has a chip on their shoulder for different reasons. I love it. It's a great fit for him and a defensive coach. He's not the only guy on that defensive front who's a good player they're going to be fun to watch this year and his career is going to be fun to monitor.
0: Circling back very quickly to Philadelphia. You 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 nailed it at the end. Uh they what they've done in in putting together uh AJ Brown uh and, and and to have him go with DeVonta Smith who we love. You know, it's 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 the perfect out for a market that pays very close attention to what their front office does. So Philly has to answer for everything. They're held accountable by local sports talk media uh, who do a good job. Philadelphia is one of the better markets to listen to sports talk radio. And they, they, they scour the trade. You know, they look at everything. And if you – one false step that, that you can be second-guessed with, they're coming for you, and you got to answer. So what they're doing is saying, look, we're going to go into this year with sorry-ass Jalen Hurts. And we know he can't play, you know, he can't play in your heart of hearts, but you don't want to believe it. So when he goes out there and sucks again this year with all of these weapons, then we can just part ways with him. And you guys can't get mad at us. I know, I know deep down, it's a bigger deal than, than having to answer to the fans, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, if Jalen Hurts can't produce with this, then he can't produce because he's got everything he needs. He's got a running game now, plus he's mobile, and he's got two elite, well, what we think will be elite receiver combos there. I mean, uh, that's uh, there's no reason for them not to be good.
1: Yeah, and they might still be with Hertz at quarterback because they were competitive last year and this makes them better, more dynamic on offense. Obviously it does. So this might put them in that, you know, 10 and 7 category. Still got to get used to all those records, but 10 yeah. and 7, 11 and 6. I mean, it, they should be uh, a group with Washington now having Carson Wentz. So, like, exit the conversation over there. The Giants, had I, I mistakenly said they had Trubisky. They were looking at Trubisky, but Mitch went to Pittsburgh, which now yeah. has a new quarterback as well. The Steelers do. That's a division that's going to be, I think, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Those are the two teams that are going to battle this year. And, and the Eagles offense is interesting because, you know, listen, Jalen Hurts is not the quarterback I'd want on my team, but you want him in your fantasy lineup, and he's a guy any given week that you play against the, the Eagles, you'd say, crap. He could run for a buck fifty, and then throw for a buck fifty, and, right. and twenty eight to thirty points on the board.
0: Yeah, but here's the problem: if you're actually trying to win a Super Bowl, is that he, he, somebody's going to make him throw the ball from the pocket because they'll have defenders that keep him, you know, him hemmed up, and 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 at that point he's done. Which we've seen, which which was what the Bucks have done to him, and others have done to him. Which is like, hey man, beat us with your arm. You can't, you can't consistently make those throws. And he'll have great games because. Of what you said, he is uh, he is dynamic. He can run around and and extend plays. And occasionally in a regular season game, uh, you know, he'll light it up. He'll certainly light it up in fantasy. So people will have it in their head that he's a good player. Um, But there's a big difference in being a great fantasy player and being a real quarterback in the NFL.
1: Also, one of the best parts of the draft is in the months and sometimes in some cases years after it's over to hear the backstories of how close such and such player was to going here or a trade happening with one partner, but it could have been this other team that, that yeah. swooped in and whatever. I want to know if the Bucks would have drafted Jermaine Johnson if he was still on the board. I want to know because we were starting to feel it. It just kept on. He kept on pushing back and back.
0: One pick away. I know. I wonder away. if we would have done it. Do you think we would have? Well, I mean, you're getting rid of three fingers, and, you know, uh, at some point, yeah, you're not young off the edge there um, uh, with him leaving, I mean, or or with him on the roster right now. Yeah, I I I think we might have taken him. We, um, I mean, he fits character-wise, too, what you're looking for. Again, we go back to this. He's a physical freak. He's tough. He works hard. He cares. It would have been a nice draw obviously too uh, you throw that in there with four state guy in Tampa a lot of four state guys have had a, a lot of success in Tampa um, I don't know I, I think we certainly could have depends on what we would have been offered again I know that the bucks went in every article I read down in St. Pete in Tampa and every Buccaneers dedicated website and we read you and I both did everything there was to read all the people who had actual ins. I texted with our friend Lita Kemper all of them they they knew the Bucks were looking at several guys, and if they got lucky, because as the draft went on, it became readily apparent that of the five guys, four guys that they really liked, that they were potentially going to take in the first round, at least two were going to be available when it, when it, when they got to them, and then in and even more than that, it ended up being that three three or four were available that they liked, so they s- decided in that moment, well. Let's trade out one of the guys they like. Got taken once they traded out, but they still have a pick of three that we know they like: the Houston defensive lineman, the tight end from Colorado State, and as it turns out, Nickoby Dean. And they liked they wanted they liked the Penn State linebacker as well. So they were looking at those two guys. They, they've got their choice here of what they want.
1: Yeah, and with I, I get it with Barrett and Tryon. Shoyinka, you know, you, you'd know, think that you've got it locked down for the next I, year. I'm, wor-
0: I'm worried about try on there, but I, I should probably settle down. He's so young.
1: He is, but my thought would be, you got to get radical in the near future, which would mean to me, I would spin off Shaq Barrett in a year or two when this whole thing is blowing up. And because pass rushers are in high demand, there's a guy that you can get a lot of capital for. And then yeah. it would have been try on in Jermaine Johnson. So that was the math I was doing in my head, but that's also very hopeful, rosy math because I want Jermaine Johnson to be a buck. I want to continue to root for him like crazy. Of course I will because he's an old, but it would have been really cool to watch him in the pewter and the red. Uh, I also thought Minnesota had a good draft. Uh, you know, that's always something that's near and dear because my wife is a diehard and my mother-in-law diehard Vikings fans, but they didn't have middle round picks. And they found a way to trade back. And apparently the safety they got is really good. They need everything in Minnesota right now. They're kind of like the Bucks, where the the window is doing this. Um, But they get now 33 or 34 tonight just to move back. We're
0: we're, we're, we're 33.
1: Okay. So, uh, yeah, sorry. I don't know why I feel like 32 is the first pick of the second round. It's not. But uh, they were able to get two mid-round picks just to move back whatever it was, like 15 spots, whatever. That's really good work, especially in a year where this draft is not considered to be top-heavy. This draft is considered to be all about depth. The more picks you get in the middle, the better off you are. And that's what the Bucs did as well by moving back. So good job. But if you traded back last night, you did a good job.
0: We're just beginning to break this down and have fun with it, plus the look ahead. Plus, I want to circle back on a conversation we had yesterday on the Jeff Cameron Show with David Hale. Uh, for those of you that didn't see it, it is posted on Warchant.com. It's also on our Twitter feed. It's pretty much everywhere. You should go listen to that conversation because it was a good one. Um, David is always great and insightful and interesting, and uh, I enjoyed it. But it's, it's on a topic that we uh, you know, feel near and dear to our heart right now. Everybody's paying attention to NIL and Transfer Portal Talk. And there's a lot of that as we head into this weekend where most of the players who plan on transferring will have put their name in the transfer portal, certainly by Sunday. So as we get to set the head in the weekend, we're all going to be scouring that transfer portal to see what big names are available, who might Florida state be interested in, which of the Florida state players on the roster currently. Uh, If anybody uh, who's interested in transferring, hasn't put their name in yet, we'll see. Uh, But, but, but we already, we have a transfer portal story and an NIL story, I should say, coming out of Miami, which is a crazy story, and I want to touch on that momentarily. Um, it's kind of funny uh, in a lot of ways, but, boy, you want to talk about modern and, and the changing landscape of college athletics. It's, it's pretty funny to think about what we're watching down there with the Canes right now and that basketball program. I'll touch on it momentarily, all that other stuff. It's Jeff Cameron Show, three three, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Lucy LaVation's Friday edition of the Jeff Cameron Show. Good to be with you as always. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on Warchant TV. Uh, If you're listening, thank you for listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Uh, So I mentioned a bunch of things towards the end of the last segment. A lot of that involving the draft. We didn't, we should maybe go back, circle back. Um, One of the most interesting drafts in my lifetime of paying attention to the draft And the reason is, of course, the dearth of quarterbacks. You mentioned the only one taken. Think about that. Think about the fact that we watched the first round play out last night, and the only quarterback taken was Kenny Pickett. And, of course, that was very predictable in that the Steelers need a quarterback, uh, given that theirs just retired and should have retired three years ago. And then secondarily, um, he's a Pitt kid. So, you know, there's a box office draw. Not that they need it. They sell out every game anyhow. But – you know, it's nice if you got a kid in your backyard. I thought he was the best quarterback of those that were rumored to possibly go in the first round. I don't, I, I don't know, and again, nobody cares what my draft grade is. I don't do this professionally. I mean, I, I, that's not my sole focus. But we watch football. We all do, and we all have an opinion about quarterback play. This is a year where I would have said none of those guys are first-round quarterbacks, none of them. If I was picking one that I thought I had a chance to someday be – a guy that looks like he should have gone in the first round. Kenny Pickett would have been my answer. I actually think there's enough skill there, Tom, that he he's got a shot at being a little bit more than serviceable in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting situation because there are a lot of times that that you talk about malcontents and they're usually like receivers or defensive backs, you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, like a running back or something like that. But I wonder if the conversation in say late October, early November around Pittsburgh is going to be Boy, this team looks a lot looser now that they don't have to deal with Ben Roethlisberger's drama every week. Like, oh, I think I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire. Oh, I'm really hurt. I want you to know how hurt I am because I'm playing through an injury right now. It's just always, there was always something going on. So I want to see what that organization looks like without Ben. It's been forever. It was my freshman year in college that they won the Super Bowl and they protected him. Remember that that was the Jerome Bettis Super Bowl in in Detroit that they beat uh, Seattle. But I want to see what Mike Tomlin's team looks like without that guy because I feel like he's been an anchor not only because his play is diminished, and that's the biggest factor, but I feel like that locker room was just like, oh, will it ever end? Please, will it end? And I wonder if, if that makes them kind of a, a football team that might be better than we thought. Like, I know that they were the final team in the playoffs this year, and that game was a joke before it even kicked off. But I wonder if they're, they're not automatically a better team with like a replacement-level quarterback there versus Bet.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. They are. Yeah. I think you're absolutely correct. Um, that yes. Every time I watched the Steelers a year ago, I thought, man, you're a quarterback away from being pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing to say for a hall of famer, but it was true. He, his skills had diminished to a place where honestly, when you watch the Steelers, you went, if they had a quarterback, they might be all right. You know, cause they did, they won enough games with his sorry ass uh, and, and you know, that was almost painful to watch at the end there, watching him labor to throw. Here's a guy that had one of the greatest arms the NFL's ever seen, especially in that little seven- to eight-year window where he was preternaturally good.
1: Yeah, I remember the year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl for the Sheriff with that defense. That was just unbelievable. That was a, a defense still won a championship in an era where, you yeah. know, it's all about scoring 35. And the only dude that could consistently get the ball down the field when he needed to against that defense was Ben. Ben that year was sick. Mm -hmm. I thought Pittsburgh might have actually been a better and more complete team, but Denver ended up hoisting the trophy at the end. But I just, there were certain pockets in his career. I mean, the throws down in Tampa against the Cardinals, the one in the back of the end, that might be the, I think it is, the greatest throw in the history of the Super Bowl. I I don't know that I, I can automatically think of one that comes immediately to mind that's better than that throw. But he had moments like that. It's just that, you'll put up with his drama when he's doing that on Sundays
0: when he sucks and you deal with the drama. It's yeah. just the worst. Yeah. No, that, you know, it's funny. You bring up a good point. One of these days we'll sit down dead of summer and think about the five or seven of the greatest throws you've ever seen. That really mattered. Like you had to make that throw. The magnitude of the game was huge. So it would have to be a postseason game of some kind. And yeah, presumably you'd you'd probably pick three or four of the five to be in the Super Bowl in a close game where somebody makes a an, an insane throw. Uh, you you saw one in this last Super Bowl. Uh, that that throw, uh, which is this crazy no looky sidearm nonsense, uh, is is crazy. Um, so I, I you, you have you've had a few, but you, that particular throw in terms of both accuracy and power and placement. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, it's also a good catch. That's a tough catch, <laughs> it is. No, it, and the situation of the game.
1: I mean, yeah. it, everything it had. That Super Bowl might be the best one I've ever watched. And you're just thinking about it because Larry Fitzgerald was about. Oh, to – Oh, I suffer.
0: felt. I still feel bad for him at this point. I still feel bad that they. He won the game.
1: Yes, he yes. should have
0: won the game. Yeah,
1: yeah, he should have been the MVP anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the James Harrison play just before halftime with Which no is time crazy. on. That game had everything, but Ben is not that guy, and he hasn't been for years. So I know it's a lot of Steelers talk, but it's just – it's this is an era in the NFL where there's a lot of transition going on. There was 15 years where we were like, oh, my God, with Peyton and Brady and Rogers and Breeze and Roethlisberger and Rivers. It's like, will this – will it ever be a different time? You think about the, if you list the top five quarterbacks, they're all young and there's a lot of weird offenses now in the league. So there's just so much going on in a weird way. This draft is kind of representative of what the NFL is now, which is a bunch of styles. And there's a a bunch of different paths to being great. It's not a statue quarterback and three yards in a cloud of dust anymore. And that's cool.
0: I got to know, I would love to know what's the through line of the front office uh, gurus in Baltimore, that ensures they're going to have the best draft every year. Like, why Why does Baltimore win the draft virtually every year? Again, I was wrong about Lamar Jackson. I still don't love him. I still don't even know how I feel about Lamar Jackson. I really don't as a player. He's been MVP-level good and won the MVP because of it. And he loses a lot of playoff games pretty consistently. I mean, he just, he just it doesn't win him. Doesn't win him. So I don't know what to say about him but other than that every time we look up Baltimore goes makes a pick or does something and you end up going well that's smart that's a really good move I feel like we've said that a million times about Baltimore where something happens and we're like Oh, yeah, I see what you're doing there. That's good. That's good. It pisses me off. And I I don't have anything against Baltimore. It's just like, well, God, dog it, guys. You get it right every time. For those that don't know, they took Kyle Hamilton, who falls to 14 somehow. Dude's the best safety in the draft by a lot. Maybe one of the best three defensive players in the draft. Uh, I don't think maybe. He probably is. And then they get the center out of Iowa, and there's never been a bad offensive lineman out of Iowa. So there you go, another great pick. And they traded to get another, they got they, they crude picks with the trade that they made. So they stockpiled in the middle part of the draft, which is what you were talking about, where they didn't really have picks. So now they have some. Damn it, man. They did it again.
1: Yeah. Uh, objectively, they do it more times. I mean, like eight out of nine drafts, I feel like it's been where you're like, man, Baltimore's doing some things. And that's yeah. true. But I think it's also true that those uniforms are so badass that when you envision any player in those uniforms, you're like, that's going to work. That's going to work. <laughs> Yeah, you might gonna be right. Look, he's going to look really good in that uniform. Everybody yeah. does. Everybody looks great in that uniform.
0: They're regal. Yes. They're regal. They are. They look great. Yeah. And I would, normally wouldn't say that about purple, but it's a good purple for them with the black. It's a good look. Yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, so I mentioned this a moment ago uh, at the end of the last segment. and it Well, actually, let's save it. Uh, okay, sorry, a double tease, everybody. A double tease on a Friday. It's Lucy goosey They call that a greenie. The double T's? But yes,
1: at ESPN Greeny for the double T's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the double T's it is, uh, and, and when we come back, I'll get to it because I do want to talk about Isaiah Wong. Why do you want to talk about Isaiah Wong? I just do. No, there's a reason. It has to do with uh, Transfer Portal and NIL and the daily subject matter that is Transfer Portal and NIL. Chef Cameron out eight three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com. Friday. Thanks for tuning to it. Like and subscribe if you're watching on WarChan TV. Celebrate. Raise your fist in the air if you're driving down the road listening on 93. Right, everybody just raise your fist. Yay! We're listening to JCS. Yay! All right, here we go. Uh, I mentioned the NIL a moment ago and, uh, and why we're bringing it back up. Well, lots of reasons. Yesterday's conversation with David Hale was good. Go find it. Go listen to it. Go share it. Celebrate it. Raise your fist to it. Uh, Miami guard, Isaiah Wong, we all know Isaiah Wong. Uh, They had an elite eight run this year, did the Canes. Their team averages 37 years of age. All NBA, guys with pot bellies, balding, mortgages, children. It was remarkable. Um, Wong Wong was, uh, you know, widely considered to be one of the key uh, members of that team. He has told the Canes, that he wants a raise. (laughs) I mean, that's the right way to say that, right? He has told the Canes, I want a raise. I want more money. And that is bizarre and fun to talk about. It is very, very strange. Um, Basically, if his NIL deal uh, is not increased, his NIL agent said... He will head to the transfer portal today unless he gets more NIL money. So we're in a situation where a player has demanded a raise and he's playing in college, which is already weird. Um, It's a new tactic in the NIL world. Wong is going through the NBA draft evaluation process. He wants to stay in college because you know why he wants to stay in college. He's not projected to go nearly as high as he would want. And so he knows he's of great value in college. He is a very good college basketball player. Um, And Miami might be willing to listen to this. Uh, Now, what's interesting is John Ruiz, Tom, is the billionaire, of course, who has signed more than 100 Miami Hurricane athletes to NIL deals. Uh, one of those deals was for Isaiah Wong. So he's already paying Isaiah Wong, and he has come out and said publicly, there are no renegotiations. You're not getting any more money out of me. Now, you may be able to get NIL money out of some other guy, but it ain't going to be me. So we have a standoff. We have a standoff over NIL money in college. This is crazy.
1: It is, and and it felt like a fake tweet because it was circulating last night during the draft, and it was uh, our buddy Chris. He showed me his phone, and I'm looking at this tweet and I've never seen at Draft Express. I'm not a huge NBA draft guy, so Jonathan Gavoni is not somebody that's on my must-follow list. So I don't recognize the account. I see the check on it. But then you look at this tweet that's available now for the folks that are watching on Warchan TV, and just these words— Miami's Isaiah Wong, dot, dot, dot. His agent, Adam Pappas, told ESPN. His agent, what? His, his NIL agent, yes. Isaiah would like his NIL to reflect that he was a leader of an elite team. So <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, you know, I, I think I knew this, but I didn't really know it. There are agents for players now that are going to be contacting either the school if in certain states or the NIL group or go yeah. public if, if bleep goes wrong. And they're going to say, my client needs to be paid. Oh, my God, the leverage. This is just crazy. I, I I thought it was fake. I really genuinely thought it was a fake tweet. And it's real. This is a real story. It's happening.
0: It's an important story, though. It's the first of its kind where we are publicly acknowledging that this is a thing. This isn't some backroom negotiation. This is a, a, a firm and a representative of said firm that is representing a, a, a collegiate athlete and is – publicly grandstanding for more money because of the NCAA tournament run uh, that the team, his client plays for went on. And, you know, look, first of all, you remember, I think Adam Rittenberg joined us one time and we were talking college basketball. I, I can't remember if it was him or somebody else. And he said, uh, cause we were talking about sweet 16 appearances and, and he said something to the extent of, well, look, I mean, it's impressive, if, especially if you, if you piggyback one year to the next, to the next, to the next, and go to, in succession, the way that Florida State had, Sweet 16, Sweet 16, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Sweet 16, that kind of thing. That's impressive. But any given individual season and a team goes to the Sweet 16, it's really not that big a deal. If you get the right matchup and you're a high enough seed, you won two games in all likelihood as a prohibited favorite. So, just going on a run doesn't mean you're really good. Just means you won against two teams that you probably should have beaten, right? Why do I bring that up? Well, it's not to lessen the Elite Eight run that Miami went on, which is very impressive. It's not to, to, to it's not sour grapes. It's to say that they went one round beyond what a lot of people would say is whatever. Right, You know, it's like, so are, is this going to be a thing now? If you're at uh, George Washington and you're the starting point guard and you're in year five because you stayed in college because you had no NBA option and uh, or you're going into your final year, let's say, a- and you take that team to the Sweet 16, are you going to come out and be like, I need some money? I got to have some money, everybody, even though you've got no NBA future. Like, I'm not saying Isaiah, Isaiah Wong has no NBA future, but it's not like he's – a prohibited top 10 pick or anything like that.
1: Which is why he wants more money now. Which yes. is why. Um, I think it was Gary Parrish that might have been that interview oh, okay. back yeah. in the day. That was uh, for the coaches and literacy, if I recall. But it, it's just so crazy. Like, what did you learn in this situation? Okay. So I learned that agents can grandstand to the public now. I didn't know that that was a thing. Now we know. I'm sure this has happened behind the scenes a bunch. I'm sure it's happened in Tallahassee on this football program at this point. Somebody's come. We we already know somebody has come to Mike and said, "Where's my money?" And maybe that guy's no longer
0: on the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your money's wherever you are next because you're not right. going to be here. Yeah. Right.
1: Or maybe you show up and do what you're supposed to do, and you'll get your money. But you know, it, that's that's something that's happening across the country. But if you're in the position of a Ruiz or somebody like him at a different school. Never publicize how much money you're giving somebody else, number one. Because in pro sports, it's never look at somebody else's wallet. Don't be in their wallet. Go do what you're supposed to do. You're going to get your next contract. In college, no, man, let's use it in terms that we can understand from Florida State in the recent past. I'll go 10, 12 years ago, Devon Stryker himself, Bjorn Werner. I'm in. He was a three star player and he was a very motivated. He had a goal just to professionally get through football and use it as a tool so that he can retire. I remember meeting one of his friends in college because I was still just out of college, so I was in those circles. And it was just, he had a goal, he had a wife, and it's like, here's how I'm going to provide, and then I'm going to be out. Okay. Brandon Jenkins was a much higher rated recruit than Bjorn Werner. When Bjorn Werner comes and starts kicking ass, and it's not that Brandon Jenkins didn't up to his injury, but he starts kicking ass at the level of a Brandon Jenkins, Bjorn is going to be in the right as a three-star player to say, I know that you guaranteed him money to get here, now you've got to pay me and maybe pay me more because I'm a better football player. And who's going to say no to that because I'll just go somewhere else and you don't want me to go anywhere else. That's the reality of all of this. And you've got to be very careful how disclosed the amount of money you're paying players is to other players on your team or else they're going to say, well, that dude had two interceptions last year. I had four and you gave him 150 k Well, then I'm at least worth 200 k Ruiz and others have to be very careful how much they publicize the money that they're throwing around to players.
0: It's crazy. What we're talking about is a contract holdout in college basketball. That is what this is. It's a contract holdout. You know, I bring this up every time we have the conversation, it seems. And I brought it up yesterday with David Hale. Even if you're for all of this, even if you know that the antiquated system that the NCAA operated under for eons was unfair to players, and it's not my opinion, that's Congress's opinion. It turned out to be true. They were shot down. It's the court's opinion. Every time the NCAA tried to fight something in court with the government, they got told, man, you don't want to push this because this is antitrust. This is not, you can't, no, you're going to lose. And they did lose. They did lose. That's how we got here. But admittedly, even if you're in the camp of it was wrong the way it was set up, we need to make radical changes to college athletics. We need to pay players. You can debate how much and when they should be paid and for how long and all that stuff. Okay, that's fine. You still didn't ever think you'd see the day where these things are the conversation, these are the talking points surrounding college basketball, college football, soon-to-be college baseball, I'm sure, in some way. Uh, I don't know that there are too many Olympic sports where this is going to play, but I just – it's not healthy in, in terms of like the way fans view college athletics. This isn't going to help. Um, they're going to, we're going to have to have some effing rules, man.
1: <laughs> it's, um, but, but who's going to be the one to lay those rules down? Because NIL isn't, as you can clearly see here in this story, it's not just a football issue. I mean, it's about any sport where, you know, you're championship level and, you know, you're locally famous or whatever. So it's not a, a college football czar that can fix this issue. They can fix maybe some transfer portal rules for football or maybe um, salary caps or coaching yeah. coaching caps and, and recruiting, all that kind of stuff. Windows and,
0: and all that, yeah.
1: Some of the things that are being thrown out there in an article this week suggests that they're going to eliminate caps on the amount of staff members, which is just crazy. But that aside, college football can only solve so much. This is something that you need – Maybe a new body, a new governing body that's not the NCAA. I don't know what the answer is. Nobody does, because this thing's going to keep spiraling out of control, and you're going to read what feels like dystopian pieces of literature. That tweet yeah. felt dystopian for college sports. I like that it's more honest. I just wonder how deep the rabbit hole goes, because I don't think we're even close to done.
0: Well, one thing that happened very quickly that I am happy about is something we theorized, and I think most reasonable people did when they started realizing what this truly was nil as we found out was not necessarily for guys that had come here played two years played really well and then now they get some money because they've done good by the university and uh they need something beyond their scholarship what nil has become is what it is said to not be which is inducements that's what it is it's an inducement for people to come and or stay that that is the only that's what it is and it's not about whether or not the NIL deal that you sign uh, with uh, the car company in Miami or whatever it is, whether or not you provide anything for that company. Like you can stand out there and wave or do whatever the hell you're going to do, but nobody's buying a car because Isaiah Wong is, is telling everybody he's going to be at the Jeep dealership in, you know, Rosdale. I mean, it's not, that's not nobody, nobody. He's of zero significance. Really, virtually to everybody but his family. He's of zero. Who is going to pay that man? Who? Like, I don't, I'm never going to begrudge somebody their money. You get yours. And if he gets it, great. But seriously, I can see why Ruiz and everybody else would be like, dude, you're Isaiah Wong. There are five people that attend Miami basketball games. Five. I know all five. That's it. Nobody cares. Nobody.
1: Well, at the risk of sounding like uh, Corey Clark making a terrible joke here, he's not Isaiah Wrong though in this <laughs> case, <laughs> because here's why: if he's producing more and this kid's got 400k to come from K State to, uh, to play down in Miami, and he's not making 400k in this weird world that
0: we live in, he's got a, he's got a point. Now well, he's he might- got a point, but I what's going to happen is. Well, I don't know what's going to happen on this particular case, but the majority of the time, if a kid is of Isaiah Wong status, which is to say, whatever, and he decides he wants a lot of money, people are going to go, yeah, great, leave. Leave. I don't care. I'm not giving you any money. You play a sport that nobody down here cares about. Nobody. Miami fans don't even care. Stop it. I don't know. It's just strange to me. The market will dictate. I'm sorry. That's what that's what I'm saying.
1: It, it will. Oh, it certainly will. But I I just wonder, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, and the problem is this conversation is very repetitive, but it also there's, – there's new chapters to it each and every day. And sure. sometimes during the first round of the NFL draft. But I wonder if the model, just if I can for a moment pound the chest, that I suggested 10 years ago might actually end up being the thing. Because – It ain't cheap to go to Miami either. So, you're covering the scholarship of an out of state kid from Kansas, plus you're giving him 400K. Like, what's the out of state tuition to go to Miami unless he finds a residency loophole? Like 30 grand, 40 grand a year? I mean, it's a private institution. So, that's a lot of money on top of the 400K and the car and who knows whatever flat they put him up in on the beach or whatever. But I wonder if at some point universities are going to say, you choose between these two paths because we're not going to pay you twice. In one way, we're paying you for the education. In the other way, we're literally paying you money. you got to choose because we can't keep doing this. The the fund's not even for Ruiz. This can't exist 10 years from now because the market every year only goes up. People get more expensive. as It's not just inflation. That's just the cost of doing business. Look at free agency and and major pro sports. Every year, you're setting new benchmarks. Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest-paid quarterback in history like two off-seasons ago, and now what are you going to do if you're Ruiz two years from now and the next transfer you want for Miami basketball is on the market? You're not paying them 400 You're paying them $600,000, 750000 Or yeah. here comes Kansas for 800000 It's just it, – it's unsustainable. I put it on maybe two and a half years like this. But it, I'm might, gonna go, it might go a couple years.
0: I'm going to say under. I, under. I think it's going it, to – it'll be less than two and a half years. I think about a year and a half. I think next year at this time people are going to be like, okay, now this is – what are we doing? What are we – they're already doing it. When Isaiah Wong is demanding five, six hundred, Isaiah Wong. Can we stop already and say that out loud again? You're Isaiah Wong. Nope. (laughs) Hour number two, forthcoming. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.